The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for his kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow our Facebook page and visit shadygrovepca.org. Good morning. Turn to Mark 9 with me in your Bibles. Uh, There are Bibles on the seats in front of you if you don't have one, and uh, I won't be uh, concerned that you're Googling or anything if you have your phone out as well, uh, if you want to use that. Uh, Again, uh, my name is Scott Melson, uh, one of the ruling elders here, and uh, very thankful to have the opportunity to preach God's Word uh, to you today. So let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your love that you have toward us. We thank you for the time now that we have to come and to to read a story about an occurrence in the life of Christ and his disciples. And we pray, Lord, that through your word you would speak to us, that you would convict us of unbelief, that you would encourage us by your great truth that is expressed in these words. And Lord, for those here that perhaps are not in Christ, who do not yet believe in Jesus, that they would be brought to faith by your word today. Lord, give me grace to speak faithfully your word, and may you give us all ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, Mark uh, chapter 9, the text today is verses 14 through 37, not 37, just kidding, 14 through 29. I I would hold you pretty long if I did that. So the text tells us a story in the life of Jesus about a man who brings his son to to Jesus, first to the disciples to have him healed, uh, and then to Jesus himself, and In this story, we see uh, a failure by the church, the disciples, their inability to live by faith, and we also see the failure of an unbeliever (laughs) to believe, (laughs) which is not as remarkable or surprising as the first is. But this story speaks to us of the issue of faith and the necessity of every man, woman, and child to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for everything and anything. Not only salvation, not only healing, but for the daily task of just simply living. And so I'll read you the text. Mark nine fourteen. Hear God's word. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? 
How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. And he fell down on the ground and rolled about and foamed at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has also cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, and he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but by prayer. Thus sends the reading of God's word. As I mentioned, this story is about faith. The failure of faith, the failure failure to believe by the disciples, and the Father's unbelief in the ability and power of God to save his, his son who was tormented from his very early years by a demon. It's interesting that you and I so often even as believers, struggle with believing in God's ability. Isn't that not right? And if we would not say it out loud, because after all, if we're believers, to some degree or another, we know the Bible. And so we would probably never say out loud, we, we don't believe in God's ability to do anything. We would say, yes, uh, God can do all things. He is God. And yet by our daily living and our concern and fear over finances, over sickness, over winning a game, over our children getting A's, over any, as small as you can make it, we have fears. And that fear is a reflection of our unbelief in God and not living rightly by faith and trusting in Him. What is faith? Faith is trusting at least faith in God, is trusting in his word. It's trusting that God means what he says and does what he means. It's trusting in the person and the being of God, that he is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do, and he is who he says he is, which is why we can even believe that he will carry out his words. And who is it that we believe in? It's not a blind faith. God doesn't call us to to believe in, in this nothingness that we're given no substance to hang our hats on. He displays and tells us who we are to believe in, and that's the one who created heaven and earth. The one who upholds our every breath. The one who declares the end from the beginning. The one who created dust and breathed life into it. That's what you are. 
That's what I am. We're dust. And God has breathed life into us. And he has created us in his image. That is the one that we are called to believe in. And yet this story tells us of the failure of the church seen in the disciples to believe in this one. And the father bringing his son, a failure to believe in the ability of this God. Sin's really done a number on us, hasn't it? Can you imagine? That's how we live oftentimes. It ought to shock us that we ever disbelieve God. If God is who he says he is, and he is, how can you and I ever disbelieve anything that he says? How can you and I ever live a day in fear of anything? And yet we do. And it's because we fail to doubt, sometimes the willingness, but in our text, specifically the ability and power of God to be who he says he is and to act good towards us. And yet we're so thankful, aren't we? Because he still has compassion on us, even in our unbelieving. So let's dive into the text. That's my introduction. And when they came to the disciples, they saw the great crowd about them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, they were greatly amazed and ran up and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. So what just happened before this? They're, out on, the, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. At least Peter, James, and John are. And the other nine are, are down at the base of the mountain. This reminds us of uh, Moses, doesn't it? In the Mount Sinai and receiving the, the law. It should also remind us of Christ coming down from heaven and taking upon flesh and entering into the chaos of, of humanity, of sinful humanity. And so here we see Christ and, and the three that were with him coming down off the mountain of transfiguration and they come and find basically a mob. There's a mob surrounding the, th the nine disciples that they had left behind. And we're told that that there's a lot of arguing going on, and most likely it's the scribes that are leading the charge here. We know that many times the scribes came, all throughout even Mark, just they're, they're coming to find something that they can ridicule, something that they can say, aha, Jesus really is, he's a liar. He's not who he says he is. They want to find a reason to bring a charge, to discredit him and his disciples in some way. And perhaps now that Jesus is absent, maybe they have it. He comes down and they're arguing with the disciples. And, he says, and Jesus, of course, he knows what's going on, but he asks them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd and from the other texts in Matthew and Luke, this story is given, we know that this, that somebody in the crowd is actually the father of the, of the boy that was brought. And he says, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and, the foam, and he foams at the, the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes so rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Well, at first glance, we might say, well, you know, we're not too upset with the disciples at this point. This is a, it's not like he's got a cold, right? Like the boy is tormented by a demon. And if we were to see this, it, it would be quite a spectacle, wouldn't it? To, be thrown, to see somebody be 
physically thrown down on the ground, grinding their teeth in great distress and foaming at the mouth, should the disciples have been able to take care of this issue? The answer is yes. (laughs) Have they cast out demons prior to this day? The answer is yes. We're told that one of the reasons that these men were chosen was so that they would cast out demons. So what's the problem? This isn't a special demon. But they're unable to cast it out. And it creates disappointment in the Father and further unbelief. And it gives the scribes a little bit of ammo to work with. And they begin to argue. Here it is. These people are going around telling everybody they're healing people. They're casting out demons and we're seeing it with our own eyes. They can't do it. They failed to do what they're telling people they can do. They're, they're abusing people's trust. And you can imagine the poor father that he comes, and he, I'm sure he's come, obviously, because he's heard that these men, and Jesus in particular, have cast out demons, and that people are literally merely touching the cloak of Christ's garment, and they're being healed. So surely I will go myself, and I will take my son with me, that he might be healed. What a disappointment it is that he goes to the disciples and something is not working. Something's not happening the way it ought to happen. And we're told at the end of the story why that occurs. And more specifically, I believe it's in Matthew, when the disciples are a little bit, their egos are a little bit bruised. And uh, I'm sure they had much uh, excitement as well as the crowd and quite a huge relief to see Jesus coming down the mountain. We're told that the reason why they couldn't cast the demons out was because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And presumably, that unbelief was shown in the fact that they were prayerless. Because Jesus, at the end of this chapter, at the end of this text that we look at today, he says, this can only be cast out through prayer. Well, he gave them the ability to cast out, but that ability is not somehow separate from himself. And so we see the disciples, it's, as the wise Eminem tells us, life is no Nintendo game. We're not given an energy bar and just sent out there and, and we have this deposit in ourselves that we can sort of take out or utilize anytime we want on our own. But that our ability to carry out God's commands is only in the communion with Christ. It's only as we walk by faith. And what is faith? It's trusting in Christ. Without faith, nobody can please God. Without, it is by faith that we receive power and grace to do what we are commanded to do. And here we see the disciples failed in trusting Jesus. It's interesting. Christ rebukes everybody, the disciples as well, when he becomes frustrated and a few verses down. We see the disciples failing in in a commission that they've been given. My friends, you and I also fail often, don't we? I fail all the time. I'm in sales. My whole life, my, my, my parents just could never figure out why I could not trust anything they said. Like, they'd say, we're gonna get you a box of cereal. In an hour, and I could not trust them. I'd be asking for cereal for the next hour. 
And then after that, because I wasn't sure maybe it would stay in the pantry or not. They might take it back off the shelf. So the worst place for me to be is in sales. Absolutely the worst place to be. And it's long-term sales, which means you've got to wait forever to know if something's going to happen. I fail all the time at trusting God. All the time. You and I fail all the time at trusting God. That's what happened to the disciples. And it happens when you and I are prayerless. We fail as, as husbands when we seek to be a godly husband to our wives and instead of continually going to the throne of grace, asking for grace to be that to our wives, we become forgetful and careless in prayer. And we fail. And like the disciples, we disappoint ourselves, we create embarrassment, and we disappoint our wives. As a church, we can disappoint the world around us and, and give them ammo to cast back at us when we proceed by flesh and by sight and not by faith. When we become prayerless in our endeavors to reach the lost or to do anything, to stand up and preach, if we do it by faith, we're sowing after the flesh and we'll reap the flesh. At every step, you and I, every day, every moment, must ask God for grace. Jesus gave the disciples a commission and he commanded them <laughs> More times than not, for sure. He told them more times than not. Without me, you can do nothing. So when he sends them out, that ought to ring constantly in their minds. Without me, you can do nothing. Surely we can't tie our shoes without Christ. Then we certainly cannot do what he commands us in the realms of proclaiming his name and living in a life of pain and, and turmoil without faith and without him, not successfully. We can do a great job at doing it badly, but not successfully without him. And so we see the failure of the disciples to carry out their commission because they do so by the flesh and not by faith and prayerful reliance on the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only do they disappoint themselves, but they disappoint and further the unbelief of the world around them. And what does Jesus say to this when he hears the father tell him that he brought his son to his disciples and they were unable to, to cast it out? He says, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. In the, in the, in the original language, the, the meaning of this is it's, it's portraying to us that Jesus is near to being heartbroken. At first glance, it surely there's the frustration, I think, as we read this. You can clearly see that Jesus is frustrated. But in the original language, the, the idea is much more than just mere frustration. It, it's literally heartbrokenness. And he's, he's said it before, before Mark 9, as he's dealt with people in the scribes, and asking and demanding signs. And he says, no sign will be given to you but that of Jonah, the son of Jonah. He's grieved at their unbelief. He's heartbroken. And as I said, when he says that he's grieved and he speaks to the faithless generation, the disciples are lumped in there. He's grieving at the unbelief of his people. 
and he's grieving at the unbelief of the unbelieving world. And he says, how long am I to bear with you? It's hard in a sense, right? It's hard being God, right? He comes to his own creation and, and they disown him. He comes to his own people, the people of Israel, and they look at every occasion how they can crucify and kill him. His disciples have been with him and yet they still don't believe. They're still struggling with unbelief. From Genesis to Revelation, it's, it's not as if like after the Gospels, the church is this beacon and perfect example of faith. And I'm sure you don't see yourself as that. So clearly God's people still struggle with unbelief. And it breaks God's heart when you and I do not trust him as we ought to. He doesn't cast this from himself, but it breaks his heart. He wants us to trust him. He's God. Is there anything that he cannot do? He wants us to trust him and rest in him. Because as we disbelieve him and his ability, as we disbelieve God, fear creeps in. And the occasion to doubt becomes greater and greater. See, Christ, or in, in Genesis, there are no... There's no lack of evidence. There are no lack of great feats and miracles that God has not given his people to trust. None of them are owed, and yet he has given us so many occasions, so many examples to trust him, has he not? In Genesis, we're told of his creative power. In his people of old, he's delivering them from Egypt. You know, surely I think all of us would say, if, if we were in that host that was fleeing Egypt, and we were at the edge of the Red Sea, and God decided to part the Red Sea, this massive body of water, and as we made our way onto the other side to look beyond, behind us and see that, that body of water crash in our enemies, you'd think from then on we'd, we'd be okay, right? No, no doubt from here on out. Have you and I ever seen such a thing? We haven't, have we? And yet, even if we did, the next day and the next moment, we'd still struggle with doubt. Because of sin, you and I have this repetitive difficulty and sinful bent towards disbelieving God and his power and goodness. And all the way to through to Revelation, the seven letters to the churches still reveal that, that God's church is not perfect and still struggles with unbelief. And this is what Jesus is 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 frustrated with, is heartbroken with. He's heartbroken about the faith, the lack of faith in his people, in the world. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And he said, from, and he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire, and into the water and to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So what's happening here? 
this father is, is bringing an enormous weight to Christ. And Christ, showing his care and concern from the father, asks him how long that this has been happening, seeing that the boy is being cast down even before him. And the father says, from very early childhood, this has happened. Can you imagine? This boy required constant care and oversight. To be sure, the boy was probably taken to many healers. Many things were probably tried to, to heal this boy and nothing's worked. We see this father bringing his own heart to Christ. That's what we see. If you and I as parents or you, if you don't have children, just somebody you love, if you saw somebody in such a state, you'd give anything. You'd die a thousand deaths that they might be free from such a sickness and illness. I'd do anything to heal them. And so surely this man has spared no expense, no effort. And so before we, before we judge the, the father, let us put ourselves in his, his shoes when he's doubting the Lord Christ. And we'd be right there with him. If you can, Jesus. It's a picture of, of the unbeliever. Those who have been touched by sin and know and convicted of their sin and the weight of their sin. It's nothing for somebody to come to Christ and say, well, I believe in him and yet there's been no conviction of sin. They do not doubt their standing with God. They say God is a good God and he will, he will forgive me because he's good. That, that doesn't really take anything, does it? But when you've been convicted of your sin and you feel the weight of your sin and your guilt before Almighty God and the Holy Spirit has come to you through His Word and has shown that you stand convicted before Almighty God, then perhaps you will look to Him and you will look to this Christ and you will say, if you can. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. My friends, if you're a believer, you, you've been in there in some capacity where you've seen the weight of your sin before Almighty God and said, if you can do anything, have compassion on me. And you see what Jesus does, he flips it around, isn't it? The issue is not if Jesus can. The issue is, can you believe? Do you believe? The issue is never a question of God's ability it's a question of, do you have faith? Do you believe? For we're told time and time again, it's by faith that we receive Christ and all his power and grace. So it is not the power of the God that is to be doubted. It is, do you believe in this God? It is as we believe that faith, it is as we believe that his grace becomes operative in our lives his power is given to us. That it is by faith that we receive forgiveness. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion. Who is it that he's coming to? Surely he has heard that this Jesus has cast out many demons. 
has healed many people. No man has talked with such authority like this man. It's interesting in Mark, like all, the, all throughout Mark, it's when people see him and even his disciples see him, they're amazed. I'm not sure why. I don't know why. We're not necessarily given any, any reason for sure why. But perhaps it's because people know when they see him that this man is different. When he speaks, even the scribes, even the ones that the scribes sent to go and find dirt on this man, they knew no man has spoken like this man before. When he speaks, he speaks with authority. So this father surely knew that whoever it is that he is coming before, he must be great. He possesses authority like none other. He says, if you can. My friends, you and I doubt this, this same Christ. And we say, if you can. Who is Jesus? Jesus says, if you can. He is God, is he not? He is the Son of God. Through whom and by whom the heavens and the earth were created. He upholds creation by his hands. Pastor Baal mentioned the transcendency of God. He is. This is an unbelievable picture that we have. We have dust of the earth, created flesh. Created dust, standing and having a conversation with the transcendent majesty of God Most High. Before creation, there was nothing. It was God. And he spoke and brought everything into being. And here this dust of the earth, a creature of God, is having a conversation with the transcendent majesty of the eternal God, before whom the angels in heaven even now shield their eyes. We're told throughout the scriptures that to see God means certain death. So yes, he is transcendent. He is so high we cannot comprehend him. We cannot begin to comprehend him. And yet the, the wonderful thing about Christianity, the wonderful thing about this truth is this transcendent one came down from heaven and became man. The very fact that this is happening is a sign of God's compassion towards humanity, that we can come before him and even have a conversation with this God. And so the surprise that what we ought to be struck by in this passage is, is the doubting of dust the dust is doubting the divine majesty. If you can, the issue is not if I can, the issue is do you believe? And that is what Christ calls the world to do and he calls you and I day and day out is to believe in him, to believe in his goodness towards us and his compassion towards us, to believe in his ability to do all that he says he can do and will do. And so the question is turned on this man, and the man quickly realizes, see, Christ is speaking, 
and through his words, faith, saving faith is created in this man because he says, I believe, help my unbelief. He believes, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. That's where you and I are. That's, that's us on our best day. I believe, Jesus, help my unbelief. I believe that you are my God. Help my unbelief. I believe that you can save my children. Help my unbelief. I believe that you can provide for our family. Help my unbelief. I believe that you can save the lost. That you can save an unbelieving father, an unbelieving spouse. Help my unbelief. I believe that you can save this this community, individuals in it. I believe that you can make our ministry effectual, help our unbelief. You and I have no power to do any of those things. But we serve a Christ who is powerful, who accomplishes everything that he wills, who reigns over the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth who does whatsoever he pleases, and none can stay his hand. I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus heals this son. Quite anticlimactic. The issue is not ability. The issue is belief. He does it. He commands the, he commands the demon to leave, and he leaves. God's absolute power over the demonic shown. My friends, you and I must believe. I have to wrap. I always do this. I grew up Baptist, and, and, and sermons were allowed to be an hour and an hour and a half, and I can't do that now. So I haven't got through all my points, but I need to wrap up. My friends, we serve the Lord of glory. Take heart day in and day out. Look to Jesus. Live by faith. Don't doubt his ability. And when you do, ask forgiveness and he'll forgive you. And he'll have compassion on you. And he'll keep you. And you, if you've, you've tried everything, and you're like that father who brings his son, and you have not yet trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you found nothing to give you peace in this world. You found no religion to satisfy. No substance to satisfy. And you come to Jesus, you say, if you can, have compassion. He can and he will. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He can. He can. He became man. And he died on a cross. And he he was raised from the dead so that everybody who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let us all believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the story of the Lord Jesus Christ healing this man's son. We thank you because it gives us hope and encourages us because we know we all doubt. Even as believers, we doubt, we doubt your ability. 
Oh God, we believe, help our unbelief. Draw us each close to yourself. We pray, Lord God, be with us as we go out into the week. In Jesus' name, amen.